celebrating releases past and present, this is the Dreamcast Hour. A lovely evening I hope you're having. This is the Dreamcast Hour right here on Radio Sega and well, I'm Green Vibrate and I must say it's nice to be back on a Sunday night because um, even though I've done this show previously, we did it on a Tuesday night and I've really not done anything on a Sunday night since this show ended, which was two years ago now, which obligatory blah blah blah, that doesn't feel like it was that long ago comment, but hey, um, yeah, that was a decent while ago now, so... Um, I should say as well, I've not had as much time to prepare the show as I would like. I've still got plenty of time, I've still got everything ready, but um, I've got some comical stories, mainly relating to the fact that um, I've been decorating this weekend, which I did not expect to happen. After the top result on Friday, I was like, ah, oh, nice relaxing weekend, just sit back, play some games, um, have an existential crisis, job done, no. Um, but in the end, I sort of had this one idea in my head. I was like, oh, I'd just like to um, move something quickly around in my room, which then quickly just sort of escalated into, let's just paint the entire thing, and then let's just fix the plumbing as well, and let's do all this, which then led to a leak, which then went all over my, all over my damn consoles. Uh, that was not fun to deal with. That was... Minor panic attack there, that it um, went over the consoles, but everything seems to be alright, and plenty of other stuff has been happening this weekend, such as Sonic 3 Air releasing, so a brand new mod for Sonic 3, widescreen, etc. You've probably already heard about it, so I'm not going to go on about it, but that's all been happening, and I've been trying to write this show and trying to talk to people, because uh, I like to be a bit sociable, so it always helps, and I think I've successfully balanced all of them, and I'm finally here to talk to you about what I'm meant to talk to you about, I'm probably about two minutes into this bed right now and I haven't even spoken to you about the topic of this episode, but Hidden Palace, the website, hiddenpalace.org, recently had a Dreamcast month. So, um, so what this entails is Hidden Palace, as you don't know, it's not our Radio Sega live show, although we do have a show called Hidden Palace, you should check it out, Saturdays at 9pm. Hiddenpalace.org is a site dedicated to sort of cataloging various prototypes of various games on different consoles, PC, different sort of dev consoles, etc. And this month they focus on the Dreamcast, and specifically, you know, any sort of um, Dreamcast dev units, they would try and get games off of them, any sort of GD-ROMs or hard drives, etc. Just release as many different unreleased Dreamcast prototypes as they could. And, well, there's a whole host of them. I don't have them counted, but let's count them right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, we have eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Nineteen different prototypes in our collection today, and we got plenty of them to talk about, so do stay tuned. We've still got the usual Dreamcast news segment coming up in just a second as well, but we've got plenty of cool games such as SA2, MSR, Dave Mirror, and the Internet Game Pack, a previously unreleased game coming up on the show. But let's get in some music, first of all, from Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, and um, can be anything except for the main theme, simply known as Third Strike. When we come back, it's time to discuss all those Dreamcast headlines you so sorely missed. See you then.
Plaza. So who wanna blood dance with me? Think your body wrapped up or even a street fantasy? In the square, yo, you best to beware. Street fighter, we ain't playing over here. One on one, kid, you know you get finished. Round one, round two, so come and get with it. Your heart ain't cold, so forget about the power. Battle this out to the 24th hour. Pay the price that you couldn't deal with. Cold blooded killers in my lockdown quick. Got no time to waste, we taking time bombs. Street fighters, we like the star. Yeah, oh, I'll take your first move, so what's it gonna be? You're trapped in a new world, a street fighter three. For the third chapter, so what's it gonna be? You're trapped in a new world, a street fighter three. Make your first move, so what's it gonna be? You're trapped in a new world, a street fighter three. For the third chapter, so what's it gonna be? Got. Block what you shot, another chapter of what you get, what you got Enough warriors here to fight, choose one The best of the best will be the champion Whose world is this after all? Capcom moving with lockdown forever, y'all This contains scenes of violence and death Viewers on the special, some ain't ready yet For the fact that they ready, step up for what you got For the fighters who ain't ready, take your regular spot So what? Calm down before it's too late to stop Trying to front like you was kings of the block Step too close, kid, you might get shot Only one master is going straight to the top One cross move, your whole game get flop Only one master is going straight to the top Back, this is the Dreamcast Hour on Radio Sega, and it's news time. But what you just heard was a track from Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, conveniently known as Third Strike. And it's a bit of a tune, it doesn't have anything to do with tonight's episode, but well, hey, starting song doesn't have to be, you know. Um, just gonna be playing some of the best Dreamcast music tonight, hopefully, most of it related to what we're actually talking about. Some tracks aren't because I couldn't find a track relating to any of the games, but hey, what can you do? And um, I know what we can do. 
we can definitely read out some Dreamcast news. So, last time I saw you was on the 27th of November 2018. A very specific day because that was the date of the Dreamcast 20th anniversary. And not a whole lot of news has really happened since. So, um, for those of you who don't know, um, the extent of this is basically the main sort of Dreamcast news hub happens to be the Dreamcast Junkyard. And around about that time, just about the week before the... Um, the whole 20th anniversary thing happened, the owner of the Dreamcast Junkyard just sort of silently left and moved on to other ventures, leaving it in the hands of other people. Now this was a slight problem as it was a bit messy and all over the place for a few months. It, not messy in a bad way, but you know, everyone was sort of getting their bearings back together as they tried to cope with sort of the new responsibilities, etc. Meaning news and articles are very slow and so are podcasts, but podcasts are slowly sort of um, coming back and so is the rest of it but very slow in terms of what we were used to like back in the day of the Dreamcast hours sort of regular season where we'd have like five or six news pieces a week and over the course of a few months that's roughly how many we've amassed. So the most recent bit of news isn't entirely even Dreamcast related but I think it's worth discussing and it could be a bit of a touchy subject so I guess a bit of a warning on that I'm not going to go too far fetched into it but I will say Space Channel 5 VR it has a brand new trailer um, for those of you who don't know, Space Channel 5 VR is coming out for PSVR and it's obviously not on Dreamcast, but Space Channel 5 is very heavily associated with the Dreamcast, such as my main opening theme and the original theme to the show and etc. The original two games, uh, Space Channel 5 and Space Channel 5 Part 2 were on the console, then later Part 2 came to PS2, and I think um, Part 2 came to a bunch of other consoles like the 360, PS3 and PC. But, as a whole, it's sort of very much associated with the Dreamcast, even sort of nowadays. So, Space Channel 5 VR is almost sort of like a Shenmue 3 thing, where everyone goes, Well, brilliant being the Dreamcast news, even though the console hasn't been relevant for many, many years. So, uh, the, the new trailer came out, and everyone was like, Wow, they're making Space Channel 5 in VR, and the rest of us sort of went, Yeah, we've known this for years. It was announced in about 2017, I believe, but, if not 2018, but at the very least, we've known about this for a long while. But um, this new trailer sparked, obviously, as I said, a bunch of new people to talk about Space Channel 5 VR and this new release, and uh, it led us to a very big question. One I'm going to brush over very quickly, but is worth mentioning because this has caused quite a bit of a controversy media storm, in that the original Space Channel 5 Part 2 contained a straight-up cameo from... Or the original Space Channel 5 contained a sort of look-alike version of this person, and then Space Channel 5 Part 2 directly involved Michael Jackson. And obviously this is now a bit of a media firestorm considering what has sort of happened in recent months. If you don't know, look it up. If you don't know, I'm not telling you. If you do know, congratulations, you know. You can feel happy with yourself. But yeah, you can imagine that's sort of a bit of a controversy PR nightmare for Sega's. I mean, the man's, the man's dead, but even still, the sort of recent firestorm around him has led many to go well what if he's in the game what if this can't uh, sort of be brushed away by the developers even though there's no association whatsoever but the game is sort of so heavily or at least the original two are so heavily intertwined with that sort of uh, reference that it's hard to almost split them apart even though they've already done so so I guess um, it's worth mentioning but spe uh, sp I was going to say spare your opinions, but if you don't want to spare them and you want to let them out, um, do so with caution, do so with some pre-planning, and if you want to let me, let me let me know your thoughts, you can do just that. Uh, on a lighter note, 
five new indie games are coming out to the Dreamcast in a couple of months' time. Both from, or all of them are either from Josh Prod or from RushOnGame.com. These games are known as Arm 7, Finding Teddy, Magic Pockets. That's the only one I know anything about because that's a, um. Actually, is it? It sounds like. I think it's a snooker game from memory. I'm fairly certain that's a snooker game. Uh, Captain Tomaday and FX Unit Yuki, the Henshin Engine, which is the one I've heard the most about out of all the games. Um, I don't know too much about any of them except for uh, Yuki in that, because I remember that was sort of a Neo Geo title uh, originally. Because a lot of Dreamcast indie games, at least in the early days, have their start as Neo Geo titles, specifically the ones from the aptly named Neo Geo dev team, such as Gunlord. So, a number one coming over from the Dreamcast isn't really a surprise, to be honest, in my opinion. But, it happened either way, these these two scenes are fairly well, once again, intertwined. That's becoming a new favourite word, but it's... So it's not a surprise to me, at least, but hey, more indie games, I'm happily welcoming those, even if it could end up being another shmup. I don't know if it is or not, but judging by the artwork I saw, there's ships in the artwork, therefore it's probably a good chance. It's a shmup. Um, another one related to Yuki is actually that it's set for a March 2019 release. Now, I just rem actually read the date and realised that it's currently April, so um, Yuki is now actually out. Congratulations for fact-checking Viper on that one. Um, you, you re you're really clever. Um, the last one here is one that I discussed on my other show, The Topical Resort, my main show, but I want to discuss it again here because it's uh, another thing worth mentioning. Retro Fighters, uh, the controller company, they make third-party controllers for retro consoles. They are making a new Dreamcast pad, and it was successfully kickstarted. I believe they asked for $10,000 and they got it. Notable because unlike many other sort of, um, I don't want to say clone, because clone's sort of a, a buzzword that's become a bit negative nowadays, but I guess uh, a third-party controller, unlike most of the sort of current ones, it has full support for VMU and Rumble. Now, a lot of ones back in the day had that, but that's because they were intertwined with Sega. Intertwined? Yeah, I'm saying it on purpose now. <laughs> but nowadays, obviously, Sega aren't really giving out the patents to these things anymore. They're not partnering with these companies, so making a Dreamcast controller third party, which has all these features in, is pretty rare, and you've got to do some reverse engineering, etc. They've managed to do this, full support for VMU and Rumble. And what's noteworthy here is that this is from a team um, of people who made what many people consider to be the best N64 controller. But their main reason for making this controller is they want to fix the Dreamcast controller. Now, if you ask me, I don't really think there's anything wrong with the Dreamcast controller, but there's many, many people out there nowadays who say that it's one of the worst controllers ever made for a console. And I've given a reason for it before to disagree, but my main reason I always give is, if it's such a bad controller, how comes every single Xbox controller and now even like your Nintendo controllers are based upon the Dreamcast pad? Think about it, the exact button layout, the stick layout, the D-pad, the start button, everything is pretty much modelled after the Dreamcast controller, the triggers, all of it. So, if it's such a bad controller, how comes so much stuff um, that we sort of rely on nowadays is really heavily uh, intertwined with it? That's what I want to know, let me know your thoughts on it. Uh, do you think Retro Fighters is going to make a better Dreamcast pad? Are you going to pick one up? I myself, I'm not really feeling it. I am feeling um, those sort of retro throwback controllers. I clutch, I clutch my M30 right now, uh, my my Mega Drive pad, because so I, I do love my third-party controllers. Always prefer first-party though. It's got to be said. But if they could bring some new features to the table, such as maybe even like wireless, because hey, wireless Dreamcast controllers exist. We already have the Dreamcon, 
and soon we're going to have those official retro bit controllers which are going to have wireless as well so it's a good try it's a good time for third party controllers and a good time for wireless dreamcast controllers in my opinion but as for this controller i'm not too sure i don't really like the design of it that much and not I, I don't have anything against it but i'm also not hugely in favor of it because i really didn't have a problem with the original dreamcast pad Skyblaze in the Discord says the only problem I had with the Dreamcast controllers is a bit too big and um, normally I'm in like the controllers are too big small hands camp I really honestly myself didn't have too much of a problem with the Dreamcast controller I guess if I'm sort of like clawing it to try and uh, get the D-pad then yeah it does feel a bit too big but when I'm sort of holding it with the in the intended position quote unquote with oh god here we go right the stick in my hand we're just going to get it out of the way the stick in my hand on my left hand and the buttons in the right hand I don't really see too much of an issue with it, so... And I think a lot of people in the Dreamcast community especially would agree, maybe outsiders not so much, but... I get why they wanted to fix the N64 controller, even though I love that one myself, it's a bit of a Marmite controller. Here, I don't really think so, so much. Also, Jamie, the podcast's going up tonight, so you can successfully scrub out that quote, if you want to. Trust me. Um, but anyway, I should say as well, on the subject of Discord, we do have a Discord server if you want to come and chat, those of you who've uh, joined us through on Twitter, if you've caught the tweet or whatever, that's radioac.jf4.discord, if you know, if you have a Discord client, you know what to do, if you don't have a Discord client, just open the link, it'll prompt you to make a username, you can make a username and you can claim your account if you want to, if not, you can have it be a one-time use thing, grab a username and join the fun in the Discord, because currently we have Skyblaze, we have Jamie, we have Grey4, and we have Brick Gamer, and I'm sure there's probably a few of you tuning in as well, such as... Safe Gaming 89 I believe, might be with us. Who knows? But if uh, if you're lurking, hello to you. If you listen to the podcast, hello to you. You know how it goes if you listen to my normal show. Anyway, we've got... We're about to get into some of the Hidden Palaces Dreamcast Month. It's particularly part one, which probably the most interesting part, in my opinion. But uh, before we do that, we got on a track. And you always complain, you guys in Discord always complain that I pick either too much Sonic or I pick too much Obvious. I, you know, I picked too many obvious tracks, so I've tried to go for what I hope isn't any obvious tracks tonight. So let's go with one from a game I guarantee you in the Discord haven't heard of unless you're a huge nerd or uh, you're, you're Japanese or something. From Cool Cool Tune, this is Yusa Yusa brackets Yusa on the on the Dreamcast Hour. Get swirly. The Dreamcast Hour. We're still thinking.
fact, that was Cool Cool Toon, and that was known as Yusa Yusa, brackets Yusa, and Cool Cool Toon, I don't really know how to describe it, it's a rhythm game of sorts, but what other genre would you really categorise it, and that's why we're going to look it up right now. So Cool Cool Toon is a rhythm-based music video game, brilliant, right, that's really not helped me at all, Sega Retro helped me here. Is it just a rhythm game? Because I swear it was like a rhythm platformer type thing, I remember reading. But, um, I'm not really seeing too much on it. So yeah, I guess that's a rhythm game, and that's sort of a funky tune to go in a rhythm game, I must say myself, and... People are saying that I'm maybe getting a bit unfairly hit with that comment that I don't have enough variety in my shows, but no, I do agree a bit. It's a bit difficult to always, like, find third-party Dreamcast games to play, or play obscure Dreamcast games when... Everyone's like, play Shenmue, play Jet Set Radio, play Sonic, you know, play all these things. Whereas it's like, then when I try and play indie games, I've got to try and find the soundtracks to them, which is a bit cumbersome, and same with a lot of third-party games. It's impossible to find ones that have, like, proper track names. Most of them just have, like, the file names or something. It's just all a mess. But hey, I had Cool Cool Tune, and it's Cool Cool Music. But we are back, and it's time to discuss part one of uh, Hidden Palace's Dreamcast Month. And only one game came out during the first part of Dreamcast Month. And yeah, it's probably the most interesting game of the bunch, rather fittingly for the first release, and it set a good precedent for things to come. So this game is simply known as Internet Game Pack. So as I mentioned just then, it was the only game released in the first batch of the Dreamcast Month, and it was a never-released game, developed by Visual Concepts, who are the well-esteemed, the well-established developers behind Tasmania, Ooga Booga, and the 2K Sports games. You know, the absolute classics of the Dreamcast library, obviously. So it features several minigame types that are primarily meant to be played online. Duh, this is why they picked the name Internet Game Pack. But all of them are also able to be played offline, hence how we're able to get footage and play them today. No hacking required whatsoever. This game was never intended to be a retail game, Instead, it was meant to be a packing game for the US Dreamcast magazine in one of the late 2001 issues. But around late 2001, uh, obviously we know the Dreamcast wasn't doing too well in the region of the US, but this had a contributing factor. It had a bit of a knock-on effect to the Dreamcast magazine, because it was around this time they started repeating old demo discs, or just cutting demos from the disc entirely, or just, you know, not giving out a demo disc. Uh, this prototype is dated on the Feb oh, February 28, 2001. 2001 was not a leap year, by the way. And it is believed to be the most complete one, or the most complete prototype still in existence. As far as I can tell, the earliest mention of this game is from Unseen64, who had a stub article about the game as early as 2008. Although it only contained screenshots and no footage or prototype was released. As far as I know, this is the first public release of a prototype of this game, unless another one exists but it's on some deep, dark, obscure corner of the web. So, I haven't actually had a chance to play Internet Game Pack. This is where I told myself I would talk about Internet Game Pack, but you've heard sort of my pack today as it was. And um, to add insult to injury, the way this game is ripped is it was ripped through a peripheral known as the Dreamcast SD card reader. So, um, how that works is it's like an AliExpress type thing. So you go on AliExpress, you order it from China, you wait for it for a month or two. But it plugs it into the I.O. port on the back where you plug in the Neo Geo Pocket Color normally. And you can just plug in an SD card and you can dump your games through that instead of having to like dump it through uh, the broadband adapter which is costs a lot of money. Or alternatively another way you can dump Dreamcast games is you can buy a... Because obviously they're on GD-ROMs, they're not on CD-ROMs. So it's a bit more difficult than just putting a PlayStation game in your disk drive. 
So your options previously were rip it through the network adapter, which created a much better ROM. In the past few years, your option was get a DVD drive, which you can firmware flash. So I think most of you can understand that, but if not, you overwrite the software on the DVD drive. And there's custom software for it that lets it read the Dreamcast GD-ROM somehow. So certain disk drives, you buy them, flash custom firmware to it, and you'd read the Dreamcast disk that way. Also produced a pretty good rip, but that was only in like the past two, three or so years. But now we have the Dreamcast SD card reader, which just lets you rip it directly to an SD card. The downside to this one, however, is... Actually, it's a downside to all the methods, but a tendency here is because... Because it is ripped through the SD card reader, the people who release the rips go, oh cool, we um, will just release it for people who have the SD card readers. So if you don't have it, you're pretty much screwed because you can't burn a disc of it because this requires a bit more explanation. Dreamcast games are, or ones that you burn to discs, are normally stored in .CDIs. And a .CDI has to be lower than 700 megabytes in order to fit onto a CD-ROM, which the Dreamcast can then, for a bootleg sort of way, read. So that means uh, games are normally a gigabyte, hence the term gigabyte disc, which Dreamcast games came on. So you're sort of already seeing the problem. You rip a game that's a gigabyte large, and you've then got to somehow cram it onto a 700 megabyte disc. So that's sort of the problem here, and because, or it's not laziness, but because they ripped it through the Dreamcast SD card reader, they go, oh, well, you can only play it if you own one of these, so you can't play it if you just want to burn a disc. The point I'm getting to here is I can't burn a disc of it, therefore I cannot play it. And an emulator is not reliable for this game or many other games for me, but especially sort of this game when I tried it. So, no experience with Internet Game Pack, however, there is plenty of footage now available online, so go and check out YouTube if you want to have a look at it for yourself. I didn't have time to do that, but it's certainly interesting that the first game released in Dreamcast Month was Internet Game Pack, a previously unearthed, pretty obscure magazine tie-in disc, in my opinion. So, yes, and um, Skyblaze is right, I actually didn't hear that episode, but Skyblaze covered this a few weeks back. The difference is, mine is more complete, because there's four parts of the Dreamcast uh, month, and, sorry, four parts of the Dreamcast month, and I believe Skyblaze only covered two. So, I have, um, something more, a one-up at least, but I didn't get to hear that episode due to uh, family problems, so, sucks to me. That's what podcasts are for, right? Haha, <laughs> let's move on swiftly from that topic, because uh, I'm going to embarrass myself here. Anyway, we need to move on because it's half past three, and this is officially the Dreamcast hour. It's only going to be an hour today. We're going to try our hardest to keep it to an hour. No overrun, no call-ins, none of that. But we got to get moving on. And sadly, um, I just couldn't get... I just couldn't find any music, and I couldn't rip the music from the game. So, we're not going to have any music from internet... Uh, I've forgotten the name of it already. It's Internet Game Pack, that's it. I had Internet Game, I couldn't think of the last thing. But... I'm, I'm gonna play a track which I sort of imagine. <laughs> I sort of imagine Internet Game Pack's music sounds a bit like this. Very cheap, third party esque. So, but this is still a good song nonetheless, and it's one that Callum will be very happy with me for playing because he always tries to request this uh, soundtrack for the Top Resort. So, from South Park Rally, this is Racing Song, and when we come back, it's gonna obviously be time for part two here on the Dreamcast Hour.
nice little ditty there from South Park Rally. That was the racing song. And now we're back. It's just about time for part two of the Dreamcast month. So, well, there's not really too much more to say on the matter, really, is there? Let's just get right into it. And the first game up is, um... Oh, no. Oh, you're going to complain about the variety already. It's, it's Sonic Adventure 2. So Sonic Adventure 2 was sort of um, headlined as the biggest of the games available in this sort of uh, collection of releases. And I'm not really sure why. I don't think it's the most interesting one here all that much, to be honest. But it's Sonic, therefore Sonic's always going to be the headline. So let's just jump right into it. The build date is from May 21st, 2001, just over a week before the final game's build. It's a PAL build of the game intended for reviewers and was likely to be used in demo machines. It's mostly small differences between this and the final build due to how close they were. Most differences fall into the categories of texture difference, text difference, or object layout difference. Other slightly more notable differences include the index.html page for the bundled website being slightly larger than the final game, Omachelle having hints for the final bosses of Hero and Dark Story, or having hint changes for the final bosses of Hero and Dark Story, and the bio lizard having different attack noises. Otherwise it's a fairly uninteresting prototype, but it was still worth saving nonetheless. Up next is Championship Surfer, which out of all of them I'd say this has the most interesting changes of the lot. It was built on the 15th of September 2000, whereas the final game would not be released until the 11th of December 2000. And it doesn't really have any huge or jaw-dropping changes, but it's still a few to be mentioned. The Chrome Studios logo, the developers of the game, is simply a still image in the prototype, whereas it would be a video playback in the final release. The opening video file is also missing in action, perhaps due to it being unfinished at the time, or to save hard, hard drive slash disk drive space. The logo is also completely different in this version, having a more circular appearance rather than the triangular look associated with the final logo. Although just a theory from myself, I believe the reason for the logo change could be due to the similarities between this design and the main logo used in the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series. Not really helping the matters are the fact that both of these games are extreme sports games, so needless to say, they very quickly changed that one I think after they realised the similarities. Interestingly, in my opinion, this build uses an image of a real surfer in the main menu, whereas the retail version uses a CGI surfer. Perhaps the game was intended, intended to contain the likenesses of professional surfers, but either the budget fell through or the surfers themselves did. No music appears anywhere in the game. It's likely due to the music being unfinished at the time. Still, it would have been rather comical to have heard the unfinished tracks here. Dave Mirror. Dave Mirror has the most prototypes of a lot here. Dave Mirror's pro uh, actually, what's the exact name of the game? Dave Mirror's Freestyle BMX has two prototypes here, and not really either of them are that interesting. In fact, he borders on being the most dull prototypes of the lot. But he does have some serious competition. Trust me. The first build is dated September 20th, 2000, and the second is from the 2nd of November, 2000. The game would first release on the 10th of November 2000, meaning the second build must have been incredibly close to the final. Build 1 is missing all of the screens before the title screen, minus a placeholder screen giving legal information. It's not really helpful legal information, it just simply reads in all caps, LEGAL SCREEN. OBEY. That's it. This build is also missing all music tracks. And since this game has licensed music, we can come to the conclusion that they were still deciding on what song to buy, or they were still in negotiations with the bands who appeared in the final. Demolition Racer. 
Dave barely scrapes the second place for the worst prototype as Demolition Racer has absolutely nothing of interest going for it, not even a comical health and safety screen. This build is dated 2nd of August 2000 and is a month away from the final build used in the first retail release. The only change is the main menu has different music. That's it. Still worth preserving, but a little bit of waste space there, I'm sure you can agree. Tioff. Yeah, great name for video game. Tioff has no changes from the final release, and the build is just from just under a week before the final release, but avoids being dull, as there's a small bit of comedic value to this prototype. The disc for this build is labelled for another game. The game is known as Enthusia... Enthusia... Yeah, that, that's not euthanasia, that is Enthusia. The game is known as Enthusia Professional Racing, and it's incredible that they didn't manage to change it until a week before the game shipped to the US. Still, for those curious, the game's label slash ID is ECW space 07-07-00 PCE IE space 056. That's all for Tee Off, and that's all for Dreamcast Month Part 2. And I was trying to think, hmm, well, I don't really want to play any music from Sonic Adventure 2. No offense to Sonic Adventure 2. We've done that to death, as I mentioned before. And plus, Sonic Adventure 2 doesn't have a good soundtrack as SA1. It's got to be said, so instead, I was looking for all this, and I thought, Championship Surfer, no way. Demolition Racer, nope. Tee Off, nope. Dave Mirror, and I thought, Dave Mirror catches my eye in terms of the music, so I looked up what music Dave Mirror had in it, and well, I found out that it was all licensed tracks, and wouldn't you know it, one of the licensees happens to be Pennywise, so obviously I had to do this, you know I love Pennywise, guys, come on, so, from Dave Mirror Freestyle BMX, cover your ears, children, or uh, if you're sensitive to some strong language, perhaps turn away for a brief moment for 3 minutes and 12 seconds exactly, to be precise, but... From Dave Mirror Freestyle BMX and also from Pennywise, this is Greed right here on Radio Sega.
that was Greed from Dave Mirror Freestyle BMX. Rest in peace, Dave Mirror. You uh, had some pretty good licensed extreme sports games, but I do say so myself. And, well, that was a brilliant track there from Pennywise. And now we're back. Time for part three of Hidden Palace's Dreamcast Month. And, yeah, there's not too many huge things in here, but I still think some interesting releases. Kicking things off, let's get into some fighting Vipers action. Or should I say, let the action begin. Since we need to start breezing through, we're lucky that Fighting Vipers really has no visible changes. Still, we need to discuss those ever-important build dates. Built on the October, built on October the 8th, 2000, and the game would release 11 days later in Japan. Next game up is MDK2. The same can luckily be said for MDK2. The build comes from the 5th of March 2000, and the final game was released just 10 days later. Resident Evil 2. Finally, here's some changes for us to quite literally sink our teeth into. It's a zombie reference. This prototype is a translation prototype, meaning the game had already been finished in Japan, but it was just getting ready for an overseas launch. This is... This is... Uh, one for the more cynical amongst us, because many of you would probably say that Resident Evil games aren't localised, and me saying so is very rich. Either way, I, I don't know, just help yourself to a Jill sandwich or something, maybe? Who knows? Seemingly a build for the, oh, this is seemingly a build for the US market rather than the PAL market, emphasised by the fact that this US build is from the same day as the final PAL build, but this one contains no language other than English or no other associated files. None of the data in this game has actually changed, only the game code. We know the build we know this build was for the US market, but it seems to have specifically been built for Game Informer as a work in progress build, ready for an earlier than usual review. The build date is the February, was February the 22nd, 2000, many months ahead of the official US release, even though the game had already been in English for months in the UK. How weird. Stunt GP. This prototype was created on the 19th of January 2000 and the final version would be released 11 months later. The game has no title screen and instead options are selected based on which button is held by the game boots. Plugging in the keyboard or even just a controller into another port acts as the debugger used to debug things. You're the only car on the map in this build, so this prototype is essentially the Mad Max of toy stunt car racing. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, probably the most well known game of the bunch. Sorry Vipers 2, your day will come one day. Give us an HD port, come on, you don't want to do it guys. But sadly this build contains no major differences. This is due to, yet again, how close it was to the final release. Build is from September 25th, 2000 and the final game first released on October 2nd. And like a lot of the other builds we discussed today, this one actually has a version number. It is labelled PR0926.4 and the final is labelled PR1011.6. WWF Royal Rumble. Before it was renamed WWE. Uh, someone's going to say something about political correctness but really it's about copyright correctness. Built on May 17th, 2000, the final build was created on July 3rd. Uh, this build was intended for that year's E3, hence the build date falling into the rough time frame of the event and the medium-sized E3 text on the title screen. Usually a pretty big giveaway. Despite presumably being dis displayed to the public, the debugger is present at all times. Considering how close this is to the game's final release, and this is a version used to sell people on the game, it's not all that settling that it's still there. It's missing the opening movie from the final and also has a different title screen as it seems to be the standard with many E3 builds. You don't want to get those spoilers out there too early because we really don't want to know what the title screen looks like. I want to save that until I get the game in my hands. And surprisingly, that's all I've got to say. 
on Dreamcast Month Part 3. So, let's see what you guys have been saying in the chat room. I don't want to rush along too much. But at the same time, um, I don't want to run into Rexy too much. So, we're going to try and get a nice medium ground. We've only been talking for four minutes, so I can... I can uh, spare a bit in the chat, and I should say as well, we got some more people down in the chat rooms. Hello to Twinny, hello to Jamie, hello to uh, hello to II, hello to Supersonic Swag, hello to Rexy, and hello to Ravsig, all of you who have joined since I last mentioned. And let's see what we've been saying in the chat room. Let's talk of Saturn controllers from Skyblaze, which immediately, um, it's not the Saturn hour, this is the Dreamcast hour. No, I'm joking, of course. Um, there were technically some Saturn pads for the Dreamcast, if we count the Dreamcast, that weird hybrid portable Dreamcast thing. Had Saturn pads for some reason with it instead of analog sticks. Don't know why, but the Chinese clones thought it was necessary. So there we go. Um, there's also a lot of talk of British insults, and Rexy said something along the lines of Mario si or SA2 is better than Mario 64, which is better than SA1. So I think we should abruptly just cut all contact with Rexy. I'm sure you can agree, and um, not sure I agree with her opinions on Mario Sunshine either. I think Mario Sunshine is a miles better game than Mario 64. Still not better than the Galaxy games though, but it's still better than 3D World. God, that game sucks. But Odyssey, can't touch Odyssey. I know this is a Nintendo, it is not a Nintendo show, despite what I is going to probably say in the chat room in a second. So let's reinforce that this is a Sega show by getting on some Fighting Vipers 2. I don't even think I've ever played Fighting Vipers 2 on this show. So let's get into a track from that game known as The Beginning. Or just beginning, but it's the remix version. And it's always time to end the show, but not quite yet, because there's just one more batch of Dreamcast prototypes coming up in roughly 3 minutes and 48 seconds. Bye bye for now.
There we go. That was beginning the remix version from Fighting Vipers 2. And now it is time to end off this little Dreamcast... Um, Dreamcast Month Quadrilogy? Is that the correct term? I think it is. Whatever. Let's just move on. So we're not going to go in order this time. We've been going in order for all of them. But from now on, we're just going to uh, go in what I think is the most interesting. So starting off with the most dull. Because we do have some quite interesting um, ones coming up here. So we got some juicy prototypes one, or we got some juicy prototypes coming up later. But let's go plain and simple with the first one. This is Racing Simulation 2 Monaco Grand Prix Online, built on June 5th, 2001. The full game wouldn't release until November 23rd. Only in the EU for whatever reason. But no changes in this prototype. Up next is the next Tetris, the next Tetris Online edition. It's a bit of a mouthful. While nowhere near as interesting as the similarly named the new Tetris in terms of hidden and unreleased content, the next Tetris would probably stand up on its own rights and be interesting if it wasn't for the fact the game refuses to boot in em any emulator and no one really has the hardware out there to play it without. I can tell you however that the build date is the 4th of December 2000 and the full game was first built on the 22nd of November. What? Wait. For whatever reason, they decided to build this version of the game after the game had come out or the final build had been done, still, oh sorry, still it actually beat the full retail release. Well, it came out on the 20th of December 2000 in US, but the final game had already been built and yet they decided to make this one. Weird. Quake 3 Arena up next, a cult classic shooter for multiple platforms, but especially for the Dreamcast. So you'd think it'd have an interesting prototype, but no. Built on the 26th of October 2000, it follows the new trend of being built after the game was already out for both the US and EU. Despite following the trend we just established, it also it also starts a new trend, which is faking build dates. It's very likely that this build date is not real, as they either as either they reprogrammed the software that output the timestamp, or they changed the CMOS clock for the PC responsible for building the game. Either way, who knows the intention behind faking this date? Up next is a pretty remarkable game in its own rights, but a pretty unremarkable prototype, Metropolis Street Racer. Emerson has a pretty fascinating history behind it, and it's a shame that none of this is displayed in this prototype, which was built on the 10th of October 2000. This is also a suspect build, as the build date is the exact same as the final European build date, for whatever bizarre reason. Okay, I'll stop the puns now. Vanishing Point, the last of the fake build games on our list. It was built on the 25th of December 2000, roughly a month and a bit before the, uh, before the first final build date for the US region. No clue why this one is suspect of being fake, but the wiki probably knows a bit more about this game than I do, therefore I'll take their word for it. The main menu displays a timestamp on it, possibly indicating that this build has some sort of debug mode enabled. And onto the real meat and potatoes now. Two prototypes for Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future. So released amongst this batch, we have two prototypes of the Echo the Dolphin uh, Defender of the Future game. I don't know if it's a good game or not, but uh, some people seem to like it. I'll be going through them one by one, unlike Dave Mirror, to avoid confusing you, because this has a lot more changes than Dave Mirror does. So the first prototype, built on January 26, 2000, and unfortunately it's a bad dump. The GDR containing the build has over the years succumbed to physical damage. Three files and unreadable sectors and another file... Oh, sorry. Three files had an unreadable sector, at, or multiple unreadable sectors, and another file did, but it wasn't critical to the game running, or the file itself wasn't. 
A pseudo repair method was devised to replace these files with the ones from the next available build of the game, and it mostly works but still presents some problems. This modified version and the original broken version are both still available for download for preservation reasons. A different loading screen and title screen are present in this version, duh, likely a placeholder. The VMU screen is non-functional in this build, whereas the final game displays information on the VMU screen. A completely different main menu screen is present with the load game option hiding a level select for easy debugging of certain levels. Uh, the inventory screen was changed for later builds in the final game. The developer's watermark is always present on screen at every possible moment. Good advertising if you ask me. Get on it YouTube. Uh, in the or in the lacking department, some, some stages lack loading screens, CD, DA tracks aren't present at all, and all cutscenes except some level intros are missing. Now for build 2. Build 2 was built on the 17th of February 2000. It has yet again a different loading and title screen compared to the final version. There's also no VMU support still in this build. The menu is different from the last prototype but it's still different from the final version, and load game still takes you to the level select. The inventory screen is still different and the dev watermark is still always watching every move you make, every swim you make, that that be the correct term? I don't know. The only thing really of note about this build is some loading screens use generic stock underwater images for loading screens, while others still display the map name. Obviously these are removed for the final build. That was it, that was the entirety of Dreamcast Month. What, in your opinion, the most interesting builds to come out that month? In my opinion, Internet Game Pack and Echo the Dolphin. There's, there's some, most of it's just, hey, we archived it for the sake of archiving it, but the rest of it does have some pretty cool, some pretty cool games to come out of it, I think. I don't know, though. Uh, there's definitely bigger fish to fry. Like, previously we had that uh, Yu Suzuki tech demo that was released a few months back. It looked absolutely gorgeous for like a 1998 Dreamcast demo, but that's definitely a bigger fish to fry, but someone else has already fried it, so you've got to do the small stuff. But interestingly, it seems like DRX, the owner of Hidden Palace, has had this all in his possession since 2008, and has been sitting on it for 11 years, so it's probably overdue that it got released, but hey, either way, what can you do? I don't know, I know what you can do. We can listen to some music from the Dreamcast version of Quake 3 Remix. It had a different soundtrack to the PC version for some reason. So we can take a listen to Mellow Destructoid just before we end the show. Enjoy the music. The Dreamcast Hour, up to 7 billion listeners.
There we go, that was Mellow Destructo from Quake Free Arena, the Dreamcast version. Mellow is not the word I'd use to describe the website Destructo, but um, that track was certainly very mellow compared to some of the stuff that appears in Quake 3 Arena. But as you can hear by that ever so funky, not snazzy background music, must be the end of episode 2 of the Dreamcast Hour Still Thinking. So I've been Green Vibrate. Thank you so much for listening in. I do have a few more things I would like to say to you before we leave, so let's not do that just yet. I would like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been listening in the Discord tonight. We have had BrickGaming98, James64326, uh, Rexy, Ravseek, myself, Twinny, uh, Grayfour, I1980, Supersonic Swag, uh, who else? We had quite a few other people popping in and out. We had Skyblaze, 42, did I already say Rexy? I think I already said Rexy, right? I'm always bad. Jamie, I said Jamie, shut up Jamie. Um, I think that's it. So, a huge thank you to everyone who's been tuning in tonight. If you've been lurking as well, hello. If you've been listening on Twitter, hello. Um, if you've been uh, listening on the podcast as well, thanks for listening in. This podcast will be going up tonight immediately. I'll be working on editing it ASAP. But I should say, stay tuned because coming up next is Sega Mixer Drive and you're going to complain that I'm running into Sega Mixer Drive. You already have on Discord, but... Well, when I was sort of browsing through tonight for... When I was browsing through the other day, sorry, for parts of Dreamcast Month, only three came up. And then I looked today and I saw there was a fourth part that for some reason wasn't on the sidebar. So it was just on the front page. Like, I had to scroll a bit to find it, but it was on the front page. So... That actually ended up being one more bed than I originally imagined, so I wouldn't have actually run into Sega Mix Drive as was originally the plan. I didn't ever plan to run into it if it hadn't been for the fact that it was a full part. Oh well, Sega Mix Drive is up next and it's Sonic Free Weeks. So that means no Sonic allowed, just like on this show. We haven't played a single bit of Sonic except for this one track right here, but it's so funky you just can't resist it. So on the Radio Sega Live schedule, we have we have Radio Sega's guest nights coming up at 7 p.m. BST and we're gonna be having some crazy Sega-related podcast coming up, so be sure to tune into that and chat in the Discord, because hey, that's the main purpose of Guest Night, chat with some like-minded people and listen to some great Sega podcasts. Top of Resort is live uh, Fridays at 7pm GMT, and next week I'm going to be focusing on the Play Sega online service, so it was an online website subscription service that let you play Mega Drive games, they'd send you a free Mega Drive slash Saturn controller. They even had some original games on there and some apps you could download. Going to be going through all the history of it, all the reason it closed, all the reason it opened, everything that was there before and after. All that coming up on Friday's episode of Topical Resort. I'm really excited for that one. As you can tell probably by my voice, it's going to be a fun one and it's going to be interesting uh, both historically and nostalgically for me. So do tune in for that one. RSN Live Saturdays at 2am BST with voice. Be sure to join the Mumble server and the IRC for that one. Skyblaze is back, Hidden Palace, Saturdays at 9pm, discussing various oddities in Sega and in gaming in general, and also there's oh so lovely ship tunes in the chip tune corner. Saturday night Sega should be back, Saturdays at 10pm, it wasn't on yesterday night due to a bunch of tech issues which we just couldn't fix in time, however we're going to be working on Iron Out all week, so here's hoping Saturday night Sega's back at 10pm with Gavi, hey it's the flagship for a reason, so tune in, enjoy the tunes. And that brings us all the way back around to Sweaty Sundays with Dr. Scott Nick. Sundays at 2pm local time at uh, BST. Discussing anything gaming related. It's been known as the Nintendo fanboy show for a reason, people. It's not just Sega. It's anything 
with that in mind, it's important to remember that in a few months' time, it's September. And what happens in September? Always at 9999, except this year, it's 9919. So, likely at some point this year, obviously on 99, we'll be covering another 20th anniversary of the Dreamcast in celebration of the most iconic Dreamcast. Uh, the most iconic Dreamcast launch date. So, another 20th anniversary show is coming up. I should say that the next show will probably be one of those indie titles we discussed earlier. Hopefully I'll actually be able to play the game and play some music from it and maybe even do a giveaway too. Who knows? Either way, stay tuned. Sega Mix Drive is up next. You'll be awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to leave you with a track from a game which, once again, I haven't played before because it's all about variety today on the Dreamcast Hour. It's from Napletail. Uh, uh, it's just from Napletail. I'm not even going to say the next part. And it's a very sad one. A very sad one to end on because I'm going to have to leave you on this show for a few months again. So... Stay strong, and while you're staying strong, let's hear Dreams in a Pie. Catch you all next time on the flip side.
up to 7 billion listeners. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. 